Whether it's winning by 50 plus or losing by 20 goals, kicking the winning goal after the siren or coughing up the unfortunate last gasp turnover, one thing is compulsory when it comes to winter sports, and that's the recovery session. And that's where the Yorkshire Hotel comes in. It's not that close to the beach, but there's plenty of pools nearby. So hit the aqua session on a Sunday and then head down to the Stingo for a recovery meal full of all the macros you need for peak performance, or at the very least to make it back on the track by Tuesday. And while you're there, you can have a beer, watch the footy, and banter about your match performance on game day. So thank you to the Yorkshire Hotel on the corner of Hull Street and Langridge in Abbotsford for sponsoring the podcast. Welcome, Baz. What was, a week. That was very, very formal. It was. It was. We're getting professional. We are. That's the tone here. That's yeah. the pro- we got the professional tone. You know why we're getting professional? Round two, we got you the dollars. Yeah, we did. We did well. Pro punters. <laughs> Don't go that far yet. Don't go head wobbling <laughs> just before round three. We're only two rounds in. There's plenty to go. Don't get me all nervous about this, will you? Yeah, no, you are. You are very Ian, Ian and Bruce at the moment. So, quick little recap of the kitty where it stands for the year. We're two rounds in. We've had nine punts, uh, and we are now plus eleven point seven eight percent on the year. That is with the flat betting which we obviously don't recommend, but easiest way to track based on last week. Uh, we had nine nine dollar outlay off nine bets for a total return of eleven dollars thirty seven, giving us twenty six point three three percent return on investment. The strike rate is high, Baz. Well, especially our best bets, yeah. our, our value and roughies, they've done well for us the last two weeks. Yep. If it wasn't for the Saints, um, yeah, we'd be we'd be all about it. Yeah, but anyway, we're not going to talk about them today, are we? Uh, Hopefully not, because they're... Just a little drive-by, and to explain the new philosophy. Yeah, yeah, no worries. So, obviously, we had some massive collects. Number one massive collect was our best bet, Melbourne, to cover. Melbourne, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for the dollars. But do we trust you, or is this going to be another year of easy beats and bad losses for the Ds? I'll tell you what, I I started swearing quite a bit when it got drew level in in that last quarter. Melbourne were flying, 42 points up, half-time came... They played with two behind the footy, got a bit more defensive, and Brisbane's ball movement just kept slicing them open, especially on transition, which they did pretty well against St Kilda, but they kept butchering it as on the weekend, it, it, their home ground advantage, I suppose. They uh, they actually cut through the, yeah. the Ds pretty well, and yeah, they I think they need to stop drinking their own bath water down at Melbourne. There's they a need, few teams like that at the moment, they isn't there? They need to think... That just doesn't happen, you know. Just because you got a few top draft picks and you know you're in the media and stuff, you just got to stop head wobbling a bit and just get the job done and work hard for it. Yeah, especially a game like that. Like that's a when you got teams like Port who go and bash up the lower ranked teams, even teams like Hawthorne, if you let them get off the chain, they'll they'll kick a lot of goals. Melbourne just doesn't want doesn't seem to be able to do that. They go into a game thinking this will be an easy win. We'll just take the W. When really, they have missed out on the finals by half a point last year. Exactly, yeah. They should learn that, no, we need to go there and make a, make a point and win this by 50-60 so that that doesn't happen again. And they should have been 2-0. I mean, they should have beaten Geelong. Yeah. And they lost that and then they nearly threw it away 
against Brisbane. But I'll tell you what, Charlie Cameron was a great pickup by Brisbane. He was he was phenomenal. Hmm. I thought he was a little bit overrated playing in a pretty good fall on Adelaide, but he's definitely proven in the first two rounds anyway to be a really good pick pickup. And yeah, I think the Brisbane are definitely on the on, on the, the right, on the right way. Yeah, the Queensland footy's fixed this year. It's been good. It's good. Yeah, it helps when you have got two good coaches. And the AFL props you up with what you want, but that's that's still you know. <laughs> that's by the by. Talking of getting propped up, our second sip collect was because of Gold Coast. Here we do. It could be time to take out restraining order, mate, because Baz is in love with you. Oh, yeah. And any more wins, he might start stalking you. Like seriously, but Gold Coast look good. They, they do. They they're a good team, and people underrate them just because. They're from the Gold Coast. Got from the Gold Coast, and they've had, you know, their internal issues. No Ablett, no uh, Rocket Ede. Lynch is just flicking the switch. Um, yeah, and Martin was pretty good. But for me, I, I, I slapped Ruckman last week. I said they were terrible, and they did nothing but run around the ground and then tap footies. Tap, tap footies. Well, I'll tell you what. This week, the Ruckman have stood up. They must have listened to me last yeah. week. They must have got together. The Ruckman Union. And the good ones, anyway, the top four or five in the comp. Imagine that. Like when you get together, it's just a series of grunts. Just like, meh, 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 meh. Okay. Because Carlton didn't play the ruck, and they played with Levi Casbolt, and Liam Jones is in the ruck, and stuff like that. And Wits just, throughout a field day, dominated. Same with Grundy. I mean, obviously, Colin did win, but Grundy really tore lob to shreds. Mm. Uh, you know, McAvoy, big boy McAvoy. Was is a top rated one of the top rated players in the comp, and he's a ruckman. You know, I think his player rating is over two hundred for champion data, which is elite. And he's mm. a ruckman, and he was a difference again on Easter on, Monday. On yeah. Easter Monday, and you know, even you know, Sammy Jacobs had a pretty good game on Thursday night against Richmond. And you know, the best ruckman, they're the best ruckman for a reason, and they win your games. And I think they don't agree with a lot what David King says, but ruckmen are important because. You need to get the footy at the source, and well, guess what? They're the first stoppage at the store. And the final massive collect of the weekend was West Coast. The big question here, though, is are West Coast good, or are the doggies dead? Doggies are cooked. They yeah. were they were bad. And Mitch Wallace is getting, you know, he kicked, he kicked three or four goals mm. in the twos and had 30, 40 touches. They got bloke, and then they got injury problems as well. Yeah, there's something not right down there. I don't know if you remember. It was strange. I went there and watched it live. And I watched a lot of bad football this week live, but, you know, it was Easter Sunday. It was Easter, a long weekend, I had nothing else on, so that's just who I am. But, uh, like, the crowd... Most crowds, when you play bad footy... So the Collingwood game, for instance. Yeah. You got, your fans are the, the first to just jump in and stick the boot in. Because yeah. you expect better. Yeah. Western Bulldog fans don't expect better. They won a premiership two years ago. They're still happy with it. And they're just, they're just happy with it. And I kind of like... They would, when, when they were 50, goals, 50 points down, they kicked a goal to reply... And they cheered like it was like they were, it was like the go ahead goal. Yeah. It was their first goal for thirty minutes, and I was like, "What's wrong with this crowd?" And I think that's part of the problem. Is like as a as a club, and maybe maybe the these coaches say that the club doesn't look out to the externals. But like everyone reads the papers, everyone listens to the radio, or you can't avoid it anyway. Even if you don't, it'll get back to you somehow. And I feel like they just don't. It's not they don't want it. It's just that they don't expect it. They don't they don't walk out to a game, and that's a game they should have won by. 20 points yeah. like, as we've said north of crap but yeah. they weren't that day well they just were less crap I think yeah um, and the same with the west coast like west coast struggle to travel it's a hard going going east firm is hard it's meant to be and there's just nothing and west coast just looked like yeah we're here to win and by the end of it there were more west coast noise for goals and like people singing the song at the end of it like it was like a west coast home game it was I ridiculous I don't think west coast would be as bad as what we probably originally thought mm. They've got some good senior players standing up. Like Lacroix, who would have thought he'd be playing the sort of footy he's played yeah. the first two weeks? 
got you know, some exciting young talent in Ryan and Willie Rowley played as well. Darling standing up, Nick Nat's back and you know, again influential in the rock yeah. it's dominated. But I think I said this last year and I'm gonna head wobble a bit here, but I said that the philosophy of Beveridge's coaching style with mental you know, he wants to get the players mentally in a zone to, it, it works for two or three years max and if you win a flag it drops off uh, I think we've spoken about it before with you know Collingwood in 2002-2003 didn't have a good side but Mick Malthouse got them that mentally prepared and when they didn't win the two flags we dropped off very very quickly and I think it's the same sort of thing they've won the flag they don't feel like they have to mentally prepare as well they're not they don't have the same mateship as they probably did you know they had a bust up last year all this stuff so I think there's a few uh internal problems down at the doggies and they've got to fix it up or else they're going to be uh, bottom four. Yeah, absolutely. And for West Coast, whenever you see West Coast in the TV guide, just just watch them. They've, got, excited, they've got three or four blokes who can just stand on heads, kick bananas, do ridiculous things and yeah, they'll be, they'll be one of the best teams to watch and probably one of the one of the better teams. They're looking like top six. It's two eggs in, it's too close to tell but you know, yeah, Shuey and Gaffer playing some good footy, and yeah. there's some other players, you know, there or thereabouts. All right, the bad beats. It's what everyone tunes in for. St Kilda. <laughs> St Kilda, what were you doing? You were 18 and a half point faves, and you lost by 52 points. I could go on a massive rant here, but you don't deserve it. You don't deserve the airtime. You don't deserve the promotion. As uh, Alan Richardson said, there was uh, there's there's losses and there's pause losses. Which made no sense. That was a bad loss. And uh, you're now in the cone of silence. We won't be talking about you until North beats someone else. Yeah. Could be a long cone of silence for you guys. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was at Lovington and Wodonga on a good Friday down in the country. I was down at home watching, watching that instead of that game. And I'm glad I did that. I was able to drink beer, watch good local footy. And from all reports, it was a horrible, horrible game. 13 goals, 17. Yeah. From two teams. Yeah. So I'm glad I missed that one. That's how it started. And it was there live? It was it was ridiculous. And it's another team that's I know so I know two two guys pretty well that uh, went for a job at St Kilda at yeah. the at the start of the year and they wanted to go back to St Kilda where they started in the industry and they went in there and you know they they know footy pretty well they know AFL pretty well and they, they went no it's a basket case and they went to another club interstate instead they moved up you know flew out. So that shows where St Kilda's at, and they're obviously starting to play like that as well. And you know they're not going to make any changes. I heard this week. I know we're going to talk about, we weren't talking about him after this. Sorry, but they're not going to make any changes. They're sticking with Paddy McCartan. He's copped the blast off Lloydie, and I think that poor old Matt, uh, Paddy is. Uh, yeah, he's got to either learn to deal with this pressure, or he might be. It could be a Tom Hawkins sort of scenario where he takes him three or four years, and he cops all the flack, or even a Watsy, but. I think uh, the games move past those sort of forwards, unfortunately, as we'll probably talk about with Geelong a bit later with Tommy Hawkins. And uh, the last one we'll mention briefly before we get into the round preview, is it a case of jet lag or dirty bathwater for the Bombers and their loss to Frio? I think it's their game style and the fact that they don't have any mids that do the hard work. Yeah. And you sit, like they're playing Stringer nearly full-time as a midfielder and he's not a full-time midfielder. And... That's why he's struggling. He's a forward who can spend 20% in the midfield as an impact player. He's playing full-time mid. They just don't have the cattle, I don't think, in the midfield strength for me. And their forwards had a, like, a stinker. Like Joey was pretty pathetic, especially some of his kicking. But I think also Freire came to play. And you know, again, we'll talk about it with the... I think the new stat, of the, the biggest one you can look at now is tackles inside 50. 
So, you know, against Adelaide, Essendon had, you know, 11 or 12 tackles inside 50 and 1. And it was reversed this way against Ferreira. Ferreira, like 11, I think, to Essendon's 7. So it shows effort and intent and how, how they want to go about the game. And I think Richmond brought that in vogue last year. And that's why they obviously won the flag. And now teams are really... Focusing on that. Focusing yeah. on that. And it, yeah, you can generally see if a team gets 10 or more tackles inside 50, they're up and about and ready to play. And they generally win the game. So... <laughs> So a couple of cone of silences there, but we'll be loud and proud now with our round preview. We've had some absolute blockbusters to start weekends. Friday night footy's back as the showcase event, and we'll start it off with uh, Carlton and Collingwood. What a yuck game. Oh, a bit rough there, mate. Well, you guys... Well, it's just not... You know, we've had Adelaide Richmond, we've had Richmond Carlton, and now we've got... It's a, it's a showcase event, but when was the last time this game was a good game? It's been a while. Yeah. It's, that's not down to us though it's mainly down to Carlton they've been shit for a while yeah yeah definitely so but we've been ordinary for the last few years surely if we produce the effort and the style we played against GWS last week we win surely yeah. last do, Saturday do you have 22 blokes left we do we uh, Reed and Coxborough yeah good that's about it yeah <laughs> uh, so this week's the last one yeah. if any more freak accidents happen you're done seriously though like Bucks, oh. Bucks is stiff like, everyone gets stuck in the Bucks if the efforts there like that, I don't care if we lose. And I read, I'm a nuffy. I read a lot of footy forums and stuff. Yeah, Collingwood supporters are very fickle. They don't understand. I don't think a lot of them are pretty nuffy. They don't really understand the game. It was hilarious watching that GWS game live because you do something. One player did something amazing, and it's something like, "Oh, I remember when he's the greatest get. He's the greatest player." Yeah. And then the same player turned over like five minutes later and be like, "Get off the field! You're shocking." Yeah. I was like, "Wow, you guys ride every single possession like yeah. it's going to mean the match." Well, Sharon Berg was pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, a few other players are good. Crock was all right. You know, we we had to try things down four because obviously Darcy Moore went off and. The how the how move probably happened a little bit too late, but I did like it, the fact that he tried something. But you know, Troy or Adams played four, which was again it showed the Bucks was at least experiment, experimenting with things. Grundy was awesome, mm. uh, and you know any knocks on Pendlebury definitely need to pull your head in because he played pretty well as, as well. But Jarvis were too good. I, I just can't see us like seriously. If we lose this, you're probably I'm probably gonna be not on the pod next week, so I probably won't be alive. Um, <laughs> oh wow! No pressure, boys. No pressure. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think we win the the total match points. Uh, seems a bit low considering Carlton's new game style. Or are they planning on closing it up again this week? Or you know, get- I feel like being two and like zero and two. I feel like they they want to win. And again, I mentioned this last year on, on the pod. This is the game that Carlton circle. It's it's very open in their in their public in their public forums in their messaging. We want to win the blockbusters for our fans. Like, like, can't make finals yet. Brendan Bolton knows that, so he goes to his playing group. We need to beat Collingwood. We need to beat Eston. We need to beat Richmond if we can. Um, so these are the ones they circle. And this is why I think you see these discrepancies in the markets a little bit. Like, this game feels a little bit too close to mine in terms of the market. Like, Collingwood should be, should be almost unbackable favourites because, of you know, Carlton have been combative, but... Collingwood took G West all the way to the wire. Yeah. G West are a bona fide top four team. Yeah, and they got class. Like Caniglio was just awesome. Mm. Like people talk about Shield and Kelly and stuff, but Caniglio when he's fit, he's probably up there as well. Mm. 
But for me, I think Collingwood wins. We're a fifty, so probably a bit short to take. But I think the way Carter have been playing, so they, they've had 100 points kicked against them in two games, and they're more, a bit more free, free-flying and scoring. I think the 174.5 total match points is a bit low. That's 80-odd 80, 80 a piece. Yep. I know Collingwood struggled to kick goals, but you know, it's going to be a bit more open. Also, just notice that Carlton have had a, had forwards, especially, you know, I looked through last year as well, but the first two weeks, you know, um, Jack Martin kicked three last week, Townsend and Butler kicked three or four the week before. I know Lynch kicked eight, but he's a different beast, isn't he? Mm. So maybe you might want to have a look at, uh, you know, if Pendles or Chalor or Adams definitely play a bit more forward and they, or how they name it up, might look at our small f- or rotating mids that go forward for kicking a few goals. But the one I really like as well is Pendles to get 30, Collingwood to win. I think it's about three bucks, $3.50 on Ladbrokes. So I think that's a pretty good little bet as well. Pendlebee's average against Carlton, his whole career has been 27. Yeah. Um, and especially against a, a slightly weaker Carlton than what he's played for, played against in, in previous parts of his career. That is pretty much spot on. And if he has a blinder, they win easy. Yeah. Um, I don't... Yeah, I wouldn't be going anywhere near the goals. And I think even the over-under is pretty much spot on. Basically, under this stat, so the average inside 50 efficiency for both teams is 36%. Yeah. So there's, I don't think there'll be a lot of goals here. So yeah. I think I think the under 90 is under 180, under 90 each is, is totally fine. So, so Pendle's 30, Collingwood to win. Yeah, that's yeah. where I'm going with that one. Yeah, so I'm, I'm with you there. All right, on to our slate of Saturday games. And uh, we start off with, a, with an interesting one. I don't think the result will be very close, but I think there's some interesting angles to take on it. Port Adelaide at home. Hosting the Brisbane Lions, Porter playing sensational footy at the moment. They just knocked off uh, knocked off Sydney in Sydney yet again, two years in a row. And Brisbane are showing signs of pretty immense improvement. The line here is a bit is a bit ridiculous in my opinion. It's it's reaching fifty and rapidly. So what's the what's your take here? Yeah, it's a game I'm probably not going to touch just for the pure fact that Brisbane actually been alright, and even though look they've come against Port who like to score and smash teams generally in Port Adelaide. And Port's young mids, like Wines, Pepper, you know, even though like Pepper didn't get a lot of touches on the weekend, his tackling and his pressure and his stuff like that around, around the packs is awesome. You had Boak and Gray, then that four line of, you know, Dixon, Wingard, Rockcliffe, Watts. Motlop's been awesome. Like, I think he's got a point to prove. And even Marshall, like, I'm really rating Marshall's work at the moment down there for him. And their backs as well, with Cluter and Jonas, like, Half their backs you wouldn't even know about. Um, and Pepper's been playing a little bit back down there as well. And yeah, Brisbane have been pretty pretty brave and shot a lot of tick against Melbourne. But 47.5 is pretty high. Like, you got to. It's really, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, there's only one reason why you would take it. And why it is so high is they're covering their bums a little bit, the, uh, the bookies. But Port have won their past four meetings by an average of 73 points against Brisbane. Well,. Again, that entire tackling pressure. I think they had like 16 tackles inside 50 port mm. on the weekend. They had like 12 or 13 the week before as well. If they do that with the forwards they've got this week against Brisbane, you know, pretty inexperienced back line, it could really open up. But the only thing I say, like Steph Martin's a pretty good ruckman. And obviously the midfield of, of port is better than the midfield of Brisbane, but they've got a few tough nuts in there too. They've got Beams and Robertson and that will play. So I'm just, I'm not... So, a part of me wants to go yes I'll get the 47.5 but it's a big big risk again is, is the overs unders you know 
too high or too low. It's one ninety. It's too hard to tell though, because because yeah. yeah, you want to you want to be ballsy and say yeah, Port to win by fifty and to go over the points. But yeah, I think from a betting point of view, you much rather be on the ah oh, missed out on that as opposed to the why did I waste two bets on that? Yeah. So for me, I, I was, it was kind of I was sitting at home thinking you know, I was going through the game. It's not really a, a, a game I want to touch just for that. Yeah. That simple. You really it's like because Paul come out confident. and have an average day, yeah, and still win by thirty, yeah. But you get nothing out of it. Yeah, it was a pretty tough game last week for him as well. Yeah, and I think Dixon's probably due for a bag as Marshall's their leading goal kicker, believe it or not. So, yeah, so I think this is gonna lead this game alone. Watch, I'll probably end up watching it after maybe after Old Brighton, but uh, yeah, watch it, but no, no play for me. There's an interesting side one there. You just mentioned Marshall. Couple of our markets are suggesting that Ollie Wines thirty plus disposals and Todd Marshall three plus goals. It's paying four dollars. Well, I'd love to be Todd Marshall. How good would it be? They got you got, got a mind of those fours they've got, and you're getting the sixth fifth best defender, and you're finding space. And Porter playing that good football that they're actually not bombing it long with Dixon. They're not picking out. They're just picking out the open player and they're kicking it to him. He's taking his opportunities. So. And in a game where Port could kick, you know, 15, 20 goals, potentially, yeah. that's not bad. So I'd, I'd pencil that one in as a little uh, podcast special Easter egg there. So, North Melbourne, congratulations. We get to talk about you this week. That's the rule. We'll keep talking about you as keep, if you keep betting teams. So let's see if we can go back-to-back this week. Are North good? I don't think they're good. They're, they're, they're competitive. I think Saints are pretty ordinary. Yeah. And they're okay in pretty... Ordinary conditions, but they still lost by you know four or five goals in those sort of conditions. I think Ben Brown though, he's Ben Brown's he's decent. bloody underrated, isn't he? Mm. So yeah, look, he won probably won the game last week against St Kilda because someone kicked straight. And he, he generally kicks pretty well. He saved good photo football. Let's not sell this short, <laughs> Crusty. When you start off with both teams kicking three goals seventeen, you need to blow the stand up and kick six. Yeah, and he did it for him, and he has a good record against Melbourne. Do you know how many games has it been since Melbourne have beaten North? It's been a, a long time. 17. 17. 17 games. They even beat them last year. And again, Ben Brown was a difference. But surely, surely, Melbourne beat North this week. Surely. Or is the curse going to continue? See, Melbourne's the only team I'm concerned about with curses. Yeah. Because I feel like they buy into all this stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, they're very, like I said earlier, they're a bit mentally fragile, aren't they? Hmm. They're very... Bit righteous, think they deserve it. Bit of head wobble, and they switched off last week because they thought they had the job done. And you know, they still got the job done in the end. Like they still won with twenty six points. But when they're forty two points over half time against a team that's going to be probably bottom four or five, like you said before, you expect them to finish them off. You know, Hogan and Gartlett were just awesome. Uh, Hogan going into the middle. I saw him against Geelong and did pretty well. I did it again on the weekend. For me, I've, I've backed Melbourne in twice this year. They let me down. Round one. Yep. They just did the job last week. And I'm pretty sure they'll cover the 22 and a half against North this week. Alrighty then. Because I was leaning more towards the unders here. 185 and a half. And more importantly, in the first four games, collectively, these two teams have gone one and three under. So three games of the four that they've played, being involved in, yep. have gone under so far this year. North had a horrendous, they've been horrendous in front of goal. Already this year, yeah. Well, I mean, and I don't think you can't you're playing it, round one. Yeah, but you're playing at Eddie Had last week. Yeah, but both teams are pretty ordinary. 
Yeah, but you can't. Yeah, that's not conditions. Yeah. Well, for me, that's just bad kicking. Well, the lines already come in, so I just looked at them. This is when I did my homework yesterday. It was twenty-two and a half. It's already at twenty. Just I'm gonna probably go now and just say it's my best bet. Again. Yeah. Back to back D's. Back to back D's. Gonna buy an admission anytime soon, Baz. Or you know, I've jumped off the bandwagon. It's gonna take a lot for me to get back on him, but I'm just I'm looking at a punting point of view. Yeah. They. At the MCG, surely they beat North by more than 20. Yeah, I reckon you even hold off on that line. And if I feel like people are going to buy into the North hype of a massive win. Ben Brown going to kick a, bu- a bunch in a bag, and maybe the hoodoo. So, yeah, leave it late, but I'm with you here. Not my best bet of the round, but definitely Melbourne to cover. Maybe by maybe it'll be 18 by the time it gets around to Saturday afternoon. If, if they... they- I think they're a serious football club, Melbourne, and the midfield should just dominate, and then the four lines should take over for me. And, and yeah, they've just got to shut down Brown. Yep, no, that all makes pretty good sense to me. So probably one of the most interesting matchups this weekend, for many reasons, is Gold Coast versus Fremantle. However, because of the Commonwealth Games, Gold Coast will be playing a inverted commas home game in Perth at the Optus Stadium. Is two dollars eighty enough value to have a dip on the Gold Coast? Considering they've been quite good so far this year. No. Not why, in, is, why is that? From what I saw at Fremantle last yeah. week, in at home in Perth. Based off one game. Based off one game. I think that uh, they're going to be pretty tough to beat there. So West Coast, I reckon. West Coast showed a bit against Sydney there. Just probably lacked that little bit of polish. Didn't have Buddy Franklin running around. And what I saw at Freo last week, they're up and about. They tackled hard. Fife was at his best. They've got some really good young kids like Brayshaw, Sarah, even Crowden, a few others running around. Uh, Tabiner was pretty good this as well this week. I mean, he's got to back it up. He's got to be more consistent. And I think Sandilands is probably the better ruckman with, out of Witson. I think the midfield of, of Fremantle just does a number here on, on Gold Coast. Fife, Lockie Neal, a few of those young fellas I mentioned. Matera was pretty good on the weekend. I think I think they've recruited pretty well. They're on the I think they're on the right. I got, probably got them a bit wrong at the start of the year. I think they were pretty putrid. Don't get me wrong. First after the first half against Port, you know maybe that again Port are just a better team and a lot like by a long way. But I think yeah, Ferro have Gold Coast covered for mine, and they just got to shut down Lynch and and probably one or two of their midfielders like Martin and Swallow was pretty good on the weekend. And even uh, Jared Lyons has been awesome. Good pickup for Gold Coast. But if yeah, I just think Ferro do a number. And I think Fife is thir- for 30 plus is $2.70. And Neil, who averages something like 33, 34 possessions against him, is, uh, or even for the year, I think as well, averages around 33. For 35 or more, is $2.50. So otherwise, I'd probably leave the game alone because the odds are too short and the line's probably about right. Yep, fair enough. Uh, it's interesting... Your kind of hot stat there was tackles inside 50, and they have a clear advantage, Gold Coast, 14 yeah. tackles to eight. I'd, if they can somehow win or halve the midfield contest, I think they go a long way to winning this game. That's going to be challenging for them to do. And it'll be interesting to see if your theory on home, home ground advantage this year stacks up, especially for the interstate teams. They've already seen Adelaide defend their fortress against yeah. Richmond. Port did as well. Port did as well. Brisbane were very, very good after half time at in Brisbane. In Brisbane. And even though they've started in a new stadium, I suppose going to Perth, still going to Perth, you have to hop on a plane and all that other stuff that goes with it. So it'd be interesting to see if that's a, and that's a really you know, if we go into the American style, 
You know, every time you start... EPL. Yeah, every time you start at home, you have a three-goal lead and we'll work out the line from there. Yeah, I, I think that, yeah, home ground advantage, sort of the weekend, like everyone thought, oh, Richmond will be Adelaide. And Adelaide was a different team to what they played at Etihad. So, and they probably had less cattle in the park after a few injuries and stuff like that. So, yeah, for me, I just think Ferrero will win, probably win pretty comfortably, but I'm not confident enough to put my money on it. And like I said, Fife and Neil, those possessions, I think... I think the Freo midfielders another day out. All right, so there you go. Fife and Neil on the prop bets there. Our action for that one. On to arguably the game of the round and our Saturday night highlight. Sydney and GWS at the SCG. The battle of the bridge, but more importantly, probably a battle of maybe the top two sides this year. At least the top three, definitely two of the top four. What do we see going on here Firstly, do we expect a high or low scoring game in this one? I think it's low scoring. How it's, low is low though? Because the over under at the moment is one seventy four. Yeah, I was going unders on that, just for the pure fact that at Sydney it's generally a pretty obviously SCG conge- more of a contested sort of game. Sydney like to play that contested sort of game. Uh, you know, GWS do like to run and carry the ball. They like to spread and run the footy. If they get that going, then it's going to be high scoring but I don't think it will happen Sydney will be hurting after last week's loss to Port they don't like losing SCG the rucks will be interesting because I don't think Lobb is a number one ruckman and he's definitely car- I, I, I like to see GWS probably make a change there and bring in like a Dawson Simpson or something who can play a proper ruck role because Sydney don't really have a ruckman like Callum Sinclair is a bit of the same you know, a bit of a pinch hitter for me um and Patton's struggling a bit as well, so maybe you drop Patton and bring in Dawson Simpson to ruck and put low Rory Lobb forward. And then you, all of a sudden you stretch the Sydney defence a bit. But to me, the battle of the midfield's for me. And I think just... I, I, I can't, I'm going to tip probably Sydney at home this week, just because I think the small ground doesn't really suit GWS and it's going to be contested ball. But for me, GWS also have some class. Like we said before, Cornelio is awesome. Um, you know, Dylan Shield. You know, Kelly, all those boys. Finlayson was really, really good on the weekend as well. I like just kept, I mean, it was helped he was playing on blokes three foot shorter than him. He just kept picking off the ball. And yeah, I just, they've got enough in there, like Reed and, and, and those sorts of blokes around down four line are just hard workers. And I think that's what they missed last year. But for me, Sydney at home, the buddy factor. I was about to say, so at the moment you think Sydney have the advantage in the ruck. They have the advantage in the hard inside ball yeah. at the source. Yeah. They have Buddy. Yeah. So I, think, I think Jones and... They can, probably, they can probably get away with losing the ruck contest. And they can probably halve most of the midfield contests now. Yeah. But who, do, who goes with Buddy? That's... Yeah. Who's in a... Who's who in shuts a, down Buddy? Who shuts down Buddy, yeah. Because if you're 50-50 everywhere else, and then Sydney have Buddy, and you have no one, then that, that leaves you already behind the eight ball. So Buddy... Inside 50 targets at Sydney, Buddy's getting targeted 42.6% of the time. And he's the most used target inside 50 in the AFL. Now, for me, if he's one-on-one, he beats a defender nine times out of ten. And he has had a lot of one-on-ones the last two weeks. And he's kicking goals and creating opportunities. So, for me, I think that's that's where it's at. But And they, you say, oh, what if they drop two or three behind the footy on Buddy? Well, if Sydney is smart, and generally their footy, like they've got very experienced footballers generally the you know the McVeighs the the Joneses those sorts of blokes Hanabries Parker they'll hit they'll see a free target 15-20 metres away and hit that and then all of a sudden you know they're running inside 50 it's a very small ground so for me I think 
yeah, Sydney get up just, but I'm not not going to tip head to head. I reckon it's going to be a really close game. So I reckon either team under 15 and a half. Spot on with that one. $2, $2.70 and whatever is whatever the odds are for Buddy, most goals. Oh, wow. And If they win, Buddy kicks four or five. Definitely. So a couple of interesting ones I've found on that one. People say it's a bad thing that Buddy gets targeted a lot. No. But it's not. And he also... So this year, it's obviously only two games, but he's averaging 11 score involvements. Yeah. So that does happen, you know, when you kick eight in the first round. But he only kicked four last week. Only four. Yeah. Lol. Uh, but still had 11 score involvement. So using him as the focal point just provides a bit of structure. And we are seeing a bit of a back to the future here with your key position forward just being the target. And then you bring it to ground and then the Mosquito Fleet go and score the goals. Yeah, sort of Lynch. That's, that's yeah. totally fine. And I think that will work. That will be the most successful plan, I think, this year, especially against your teams like your... Your rich, like your Richmonds, that rely so much on a, on a on a spread of depth, whereas if they don't have that elite, Richmond obviously have ranks, they're the exception, that's why they won the flag. But yeah, most of those other teams that are small don't have that elite defender to match the likes of a Bud or, or a Lynch or even a Ben Brown. Uh, the other ones I've found here is, uh, in terms of prop markets, Buddy and Cameron to combine for 10 plus goals. That's a good bet. Because you know Cameron, well, he had a pretty quiet one last week. You know Cameron's going to kick a few goals. If Cameron has three, but he has seven. Like, yeah. It just depends on who wins, really. But yeah. you think that one of those two will, will kick a, a, a mini bag at least. Yeah. And then the other one will chip in with their you know their standard three or whatever. So that's a nice one to have it around about four bucks. Uh, and then the unders for mine as well. At 175.5 is the over-under total there. I think this game goes unders. And most of these matches have been are more around the... 160, even in blowouts, most of these blowouts turn to be 100 points to 60 as opposed to 140 to 100, that kind of thing. So expect low scoring, expect the big men to stand up. Yeah, I think the two best ones are under 15 and a half and the unders. Yep. And then, yeah, you can play around with your prop bets. And then, unfortunately, to round out our Saturday night fever is uh, Adelaide versus, versus no one. Yeah, versus no one. Adelaide Align, 20 and a half, we'll take that. Now, can I just say, look, I found this stat, so we're obviously talking about... When teams play no one, they usually win. That's, that's yeah, the start Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, it didn't happen last, last good Friday, did it? So It actually didn't. Apparently, when teams play no one, they lose. That's, yeah. that's actually the stat. But, but Saints, I like, don't know line between half, I'd be taking that. Yeah. Because I don't think Saints are any good, and I, I know they're under pressure all week. They might bounce back a bit, but I still think 20 points is pretty fair. But coaches with better win percentage than Alan Richardson... Everyone? Michael Voss, Mark Harvey, which includes the Brisbane games, Spud Frawley, Scott Waters, oh, wow. Matthew Knights. Yeah. Coaches who coached at least four seasons since 1987 with a worse win record than Alan Richardson, who was in his fifth season, Jared Neeson, Peter Knights, Robert Shaw, Tony Shaw, Kevin Bartlett, and Guy McKenna. Yeah, not great company. No, and he's not under any pressure for his job. He's got another year, I think, as well. So, he spends every Monday hanging out at AFL 360, being, you know, the coach guru. So how is he doing that? Well, because he's not coaching anyone. <laughs> <laughs> he's got no one to coach. He's got so much free time because that team no longer exists. So uh, Adelaide at the line, and shout out to all the Saints fans, all seven of you. <laughs> <laughs> On to the Sunday clash. Richmond versus Hawthorne at the MCG. Hawthorne have done it again, I reckon. They've done a rapid rebuild. They look alright, don't they? They look very, very handy. See, 
I watched Adelaide last week. So Adelaide had more marks than they usually do. Yep. Uncontested marks. They had a lot more possessions than they usually do. Long story short, Adelaide played Hawthorne-style football. Yep. And they made Rance... Accountable. Accountable. And I don't know why teams don't do this more often. I know Richmond like to get the spare behind the ball, and they're very, very well organised, Richmond. Don't get me wrong. Very, very well organised. But they... If you get Rance or their back line, one-on-one, and it happens to every team, if you can get a one-on-one matchup inside 50, I reckon you're at least eight, 80% chance of kicking a goal. Because there's always... The, 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 the umpires favour... That's a ridiculous step. Well, umpires favour the fours with the, with the holding and all that bullshit. Yeah. Backs have got nothing. Yeah. If you're a decent forward, you, you win the contest, or you at least halve it. So, for me, I, I, I remember Collingwood did it a few years ago on Rance, and it, it worked with Cloak. But no one really does it, so I don't really know what happens, you know, what the dealers are there. Dusty is good. Dusty is a god. Um, but yeah, when was the last time Richmond had eight marks inside 50 against them as well? Yeah, a very, very long time. And concernedly for Richmond fans, there's like Hawthorne matchup, again, very small sample size, but all the key performance indicators so disposal efficiency 72 to 73% basically even there contested possessions which Hawthorne are notoriously bad at apparently 148 each so that's a concern uncontested possessions Hawthorne had the lead there by about 40 in a game so this is where yeah it gets concerning average marks they're up 27 plus 27 87 to 60 if Hawthorne can control the game like Adelaide did last week Richmond are forced to score when they get the ball. So a lot of the time, Richmond don't want possession. They want they want they want territory, yeah. and that's how they win most of their games. Most of their games are low scoring. You get into your own forward half, you lock it in. You don't actually need the ball. You just need the opposition to be as far away from goal as possible, and then you jag a few. Yeah, territory game. If Hawthorne have the ball though, they can't do that. Yeah, and, and we saw how we saw how easy Hawthorne got out of their defence last week against Geelong. And especially if they up their contested game, and they even they've even up their tackles inside fifty. So tackles inside fifty, twelve to ten. So they can lock it in in their own half as well. They can play a bit of both styles there, which I think Richmond don't. We have gut runners. We have really hard inside players, and then we have about three classy units, and that's it. Hawthorne just seem to be able to upskill players who are even on the fringes. Like everyone there's a decent kick. Yeah. Everyone there's got good gas on the outside, and then you've got some real class players in like Amira, in your Mitchell, Tom Mitchell, obviously. Yeah. Ruffy was clutch on the weekend. Impy, pretty much Impy's killed the game. Really Impy was amazing yeah. the first half. So I would almost go Hawthorne just to win head to head at double two dollars thirty as a pretty decent value bet for the weekend. Yeah, I think that's it's probably our upset of the weekend. I think so yeah. far. Um, for me, I saw two fifty for Mitchell to get forty or more as well. So he, he averages was it thirty six this year already? Yep. Or well, he actually averaged thirty six last year. Sorry, he's averaging he, way above that. He's already moment. got two two games of plus forty this year. Yep. So two dollars fifty for plus forty is pretty good because he's obviously be in there getting winning the hard footy and getting the, the those contested possessions out to the runners like Impey and Deray etc. Smith. Yeah, I think if Hawks play similar to uh, last week, they definitely. Because Richmond's bottom six have also you know, dropped off a little bit. You, you've got a few blokes still out with injury, so you're carrying a few at the moment. Yeah, for me, I think Hawthorne and the, probably the roughy value of the week. And then the middle game, 
the meat in the sandwich, well, the meat's no good because this game on Sunday at 3.20 years at Eddie Had the stadium, it's the Bulldogs versus the Bombers. Uh, it's, you know, the dogs who were left outside versus the guys suffering from a bit of uh, food poisoning from drinking their own bathwater. What do we make of this contest? Surely this is a game for mine where the Bombers just do what the Bombers do and bash up on a on a struggling team. Well, funnily enough, the Dogs have won the last four and they've won them by an average of around you know 50 points. So they beat them last year. They pretty much knocked them out of the finals last year. They won by five goals. But surely... You would think so. Surely, from what we're seeing in the Dogs the last two weeks, surely, and what Essendon dished up last week, surely... Surely Essendon win and do a, do a good job on them. And they go back to drinking a bit of bath water afterwards. You would think so. There's there's nothing that the Bulldogs have shown in the last two weeks that would suggest that they beat Essendon. They've got more injuries. It just, it's Yeah, I, surely not. And the 15 and a half line is almost the second best week bet of the week. You, you really hope so. Like, seriously, like, surely Essendon, if you don't, like... I'm pretty close to giving you a spray now. <laughs> there could be there could be a couple of sprays next week. Collingwood could be copping one. Yep. Melbourne could be copping one. And Essendon, if you don't win this week, you will definitely be... I'll be going to town. So, to focus on the dogs here, do we reckon they can fix... Can they fix their problem? They can't score. Yeah. So, they're averaging 20 shots from 52 entries so far this year. They've got no... Like, 38% four, efficiency is like the worst in the league. Boyd's sticking it up in the reserves. Yep. Uh, you've got Shaki who didn't play because he was sore. Like, he gave up a fair bit for Shaki in the end for what he, you know, for what he's, give, what he's been putting out. There were all these injuries, and I just... I, I don't know how they kick a winning score. I, I can't see him kicking over 50 again. There's a prop, there's a prop at market for, to picking team scores. I think there's a mark, there's a there's definitely an option for 0 to 60. I'll be hammer. I'll be finding that. I think it's on tab, tab door, I'm pretty sure. We find that, smashing that, then smashing Essendon align at 15 and a half. There you go. I'm not that confident that Bulldogs will sink it up twice two weeks in a row. They have to show you something sink surely. Sink it up twice, three times in a row. Yeah, well, yeah, triple three-peat, back-to-backs. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Essendon at the line as well. Um, but yeah, there's just nothing to suggest that the dogs can improve. And if that's the case, then three goals is the only, not the, enough. The only thing I can see is that midfield, like Bontempelli is a jet, you know, McRae, those sorts of blokes... Do they do a number on Essen's limited midfield? I don't think so because, like, they haven't even won the Source Bowl this year. Yeah, like they're they're averaging. And Bell Chambers will have a field day. Yeah, they're averaging 30, 30 contested possessions less than any other team. They're getting smashed on the inside. They don't have a ruckman, and they don't have a bloke who can score up front. Do you know what I'm gonna hate though? Like Essen will probably win. String will have a good game, and then all the papers. Yeah, we'll be all like all the Essen supporters. Like, Stringer's back. Yeah, the package. He's, he's a god. Package, package. And he'll stink it up for another six weeks. Yeah, but that's, you know, that's not his fault. That's the paper's fault. Fake news. Correct. All, all that stuff. Well, it's banned in India or Malaysia or something now. So, anyway. Yeah, for me, <laughs> excellent line. Dogs won't score more than 60. Done. Cool. I'm not taking the 60. I'm not writing the 60 down. That's a little Easter egg for our listeners. But definitely take the line for Eston. And to round out the weekend... The classic Western late game on a Sunday when your, your partner probably thinks football's over the weekend go, now, nah, love, there's a Twilight game on. We'll be watching this and we'll be going all the way through the evening and then we'll watch the talkback shows. It'll be great. You'll love it. 
West Coast versus Geelong, the litmus test. Are the Eagles about to soar or are the Cats about to run out of puff? I love watching Ablett, Salwood, Dangerfield. Don't get me wrong, it was good to watch for a half. I'm going to pause that there. Yeah. It's getting overhyped. Yeah, just let me so, let me finish. It's get well did you say did you see today? I've seen a bit. On the on the socials when they go like, is this the greatest midfield trio we've seen since Judd, Cousins and Kerr? Yeah, I think they need to pull the head in. Pull your head in. It's one game. The problem John have is they don't have a Ruckman. So they went from uh, Smith to Stanley, first two rounds already. And the midfield as good as it is doesn't like the two-way run a lot. They don't like to def- do the defensive stuff for me. And that's why the opposition midfields are getting off the chain a bit. You know, Melbourne's midfield, you know, Jones and Oliver and that got away with it a bit. Uh, on the weekend, you also had Mitchell and Amir and Impey and all those boys running around. So I think the biggest problem also is, like, Geelong have had, you know, very high scores kicked against them the first two rounds. Like over 100 points last week and it was at 90-odd uh, first week. I don't, I don't think Taylor's back this week, is he? I, I haven't seen anything he's back. For me, I just don't see how a pretty potent, really, West Coast fall on. Like, Ryan probably struggled to back it up two weeks in a row. You know, you've got Darling, who's been pretty good. The has been pretty good. You know, I think Nick Natson have a field day against whoever he runs up against, to be honest. He'll run them off their legs and just... You'd yeah. almost see Scotty at quarter time being like, oh, we're getting smashed in the sit-out stuff. Maybe we just don't have a Ruckman. Maybe we just leave it, like, just give him the tap. The only thing... Yeah, and then have an extra at the midfield. Yeah, the only, well, it's, it's, you probably have a sweeper because Nick Nutt's probably going to pick where he, But then you just, he's hoping on Selwood, Ablett and Dangerfield reading the taps and just taking it away. And Menzel can't keep kicking five or six a week and saving them either. So someone else has got to step up there. And that's Tom Hawk, I think, you know, I'm probably... I know you didn't say not to write off people this year, but... Is he injured? I don't think he's it looks injured. slow. Yeah, I don't think he's injured because, well, I, for me, I, I saw that the evolution of the tall forward has changed. You got Buddy, Danaher, Lynch, Cameron. They can all run. They can all contest one on one. They're pretty quick. They can do everything. For me, Tom still looks a bit big. He's in the Travis Cloak mold. And you know, back five, six years ago, they used to stand there and wrestle blokes and take contested marks. They can't do that anymore. They've got to take big contested marks in packs. They don't really have a lot of opportunities to wrestle blokes. Well, they have to burn them on the lead. They have to burn them on the lead and double back. And he just doesn't have that pace or that, or that aerobic capacity to do that. And I think he's a bit like Travis Cloak. The game's almost gone past him. That's where I find for Paddy McCartan, he was recruited as that sort of forward. And probably wrongly so because the game doesn't doesn't have those forwards anymore. I mean, unless the game slows down and... You know, kicking long until the four line to a one on one comes back in vogue, which I don't see anytime soon. You need to have the legs to get up, run back, and then you know get it over the back or get it up on the on the on the lead and stuff like that. And he just doesn't have that. He doesn't have the defensive capabilities. Mm. So for me, I just don't see Geelong's defence holding up. You know, Kelly's been really good for them. A few other boys are standing up for Geelong, but their defence just—I don't see him stopping West Coast kicking a kicking a, a you know. A low enough score for them to win. So my only question is then, why are Geelong favourites? Because of the Dangerwood Ablett factor. Because they lost, they beat Melbourne. Just, and Melbourne smashed them. By a point, essentially. Yeah. A kick. Yeah. They beat, they lost to Hawthorne, who didn't even make the finals last year. Yes, it was only by a point. And but I, like, was that, like was a, that was a game they should have won by plenty. Yeah, Hawthorne should have smashed them. On, on form. Exactly, yeah. 
Well, coming into, they would have thought DeLong should smash him. Based on the actual performance on the day, Hawthorne should have smashed him. So they've been they've been smashed in every aspect other than the scoreboard twice in a row. Add in injury prone dudes in the in the midfield having to fly west. That ruins all their prep anyway. Remembering that last year, and this is not a dig, it's just a fact that Ablett didn't travel. Yeah, and he hit his ankle against Hawthorne. And he hit his ankle. It was very proppy against Hawthorne, so add that into the mix as well. Dangerfield's got a you know hat. He's carrying a bit of a, not. He's not carrying it, but he's got a bit of proppy hammy. Yeah. And then you can still you can, got a sore knee. you can still take West Coast at two dollars oh six. Yeah, that's almost my best bet for the weekend. Well, that's yeah. We got Hawks as the roughie. Yeah, West Coast is the value. Is the value two weeks in a row? Just ridiculous. It's like the markets want to lose money, and then you know we'll probably be wrong there. We'll probably be very wrong. Yeah. But that's how that's how we roll. I thought yeah, I thought that and as a as a little Easter egg in the you know darling probably most gold. <laughs> To round out, let's organise ourselves with our, our best, our value, our roughie, and our multi. What have we got for best bet? Do you think Adelaide Align or Essendon Align or Melbourne Align for best bet? They're not very trustworthy, are they? <laughs> all no, those, no, those three are kind of like, mmm, do I want to go with any of those? I think out of the three, Melbourne is the most trustworthy. Yeah, I'm, I reckon Melbourne, again, two weeks in a row, best bet. Our roughy upset is Hawks versus Richmond. Our value is West Coast. And for a multi, Melbourne align, Adelaide align, Essendon align, and then Sydney Jerry West, either team under 15 and a half. And that will get you around 18, 7, 18 bucks. That is glorious. That's in the zone. Good value, enough to brag about, but uh, not so ridiculous that it probably won't happen. Unlike my buddy season bet, which is shortening... Every week. Every, every week. There will be 100 goals this year. There will be. It'll be my buddy. He'll win the Common and the Brownlow. I'm just going to say every week until it happens. So get on board. Get on board. Get on board. That's brought us to the natural closure of today's pod. Thank you, Baz, and good luck on the weekend. I presume you're studying your coaching career. My proper coaching career, Coaching yeah. career. Yeah. Good luck. Unveil the, unveil the flags for the resis and the seniors. Uh, with the first game off the out of four on Saturday. Do you unveil it? Maybe we can upgrade yeah, still unveil the flag, aren't, mate. Aren't the team going to be like? Pfft. We're playing the team we beat in the grand final too, right? Oh, so well then definitely unveil. Unveil in the in the head yeah. as you do. The head games have begun. Pretty nervous, but the boys are pumped. Want to set the tone for the whole day. So hopefully, uh, yeah, have a good day, and I'm all right, and do my job well, and the players bring their effort and do what they do, and I'll let them take the glory, mate, because they're the ones doing all the hard work, and I just sit back and let them enjoy it. Look out for us on Twitter and Facebook. We'll be posting up all of our best bets and we'll see you next week.